Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, I was really wrestling and thinking about what I should share with you folks. So I thought, you know, we the message before the Christmas season started, I was talking about refocusing as a church. I talked about the kind of church that we needed to be rather than simply just a church where people show up and are religious. We want to be transformed. And I think that's where a lot of us are at. We want to be transformed by His Spirit and be the people of God that He wants us to be. Am I right in saying that? Right? So then I thought, you know, it's really good for me to say that to you, but if I don't tell you how to do it, it's a nice concept that's just out there. Do you know what I'm saying? We want to be the people of God. Yeah, but what does that mean, George? What does that mean? You know, we want to pray more, we want to read more, but again, that's really not telling you anything. It's just giving you a list of things to do. And so you start out the year doing it. And it's about like doing your diet. But usually what happens is is that after we crash and burn real quick, don't we? And the same thing happens with our Bible reading and with prayer. We have good intentions. We want to do what's right. We want to, we want to be what God wants us to be, but we usually crash and burn. And so we go back to the normal or what we think is the normal. It's not, it's really abnormal, but it's the normal Christian life, which is nothing's happening. We just come to church and we don't really see God working in our lives. So I thought I would share with you an interesting story, an incident that happened in the life of a prophet by the name of Samuel when he was a young boy, and kind of contrast his life, what's happening with him, and a fellow who's at the end of his life, who's a high priest of Israel by the name of Eli. And it's an interesting story. I'm just going to share the third chapter with you, because if you know from Sunday school, if you remember growing up in Sunday school to church, it's the story of where God comes and speaks to Samuel, and Samuel goes to Eli, and I, Eli tries to tell him how to how to talk with the Lord and everything. There's a lot of truth here, and hopefully will open your mind and your hearts to understand how you can hear God's voice in your life. Because wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that change your whole perspective on your Christian walk? To know that... The God of the universe wants to interact with you. Well, let me just stop for a moment. Write that down. He does want to interact with you. The God of the universe does want to interact with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? He wants to interact with you. He wants to be a part of your everyday life. So it's exciting to know the possibility. But again, we're back to, okay, that's a nice concept, George, but how do you do that? How do you get there? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's look together. We're going to look at 1 Samuel. We're going to look at the first verses 1 through 21 of chapter 3. Actually, we're going to go back to chapter 2 because we're going to talk about, let me set the setting for you. It's Israel. They're in the promised land. They're not a kingdom yet. They're, They're ruled by judges. They don't have a king. And Samuel is a young boy. His mom dedicated him to the Lord, and so he's serving in the temple courts. He's serving Eli, the high priest. But here's the situation that's going on in Israel at the time, the spiritual condition of Israel. 
They're operating in a spiritual vacuum. A spiritual vacuum. I'll explain that what I mean by that in a moment. But let's look at it together. Look over to chapter 2. We're going to look at a couple sections of verses. Look with me at verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Okay, hold on a minute. These are the sons of the high priest serving in the temple courts. Look at what it says about them. They were corrupt and they did not what? Know the Lord. Let me just go ahead and make a point to you right now. Simply bringing your kids to church does not ensure a relationship with Jesus. Do you understand me? Simply bringing them to church does not ensure a relationship with Jesus. How can you say that, George? Well, here's the guy who's the head spiritual leader for a nation. His own kids are in very much a part of what's going on spiritually as far as what's happening in the nation Israel. And guess what it says about them? They were corrupt and what? Did not know the Lord. Okay, so just keep going on there. Verse 13. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all Israelites who came there. That was the custom. Now look what happens. Look at verse 15. Also, they burned the fat, and the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he did not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then they may take as much as their heart desires, he would then answer him, no, you must give it first now. If not, I'll take it by force. So here's what's happening. The priests, so they, they want, you know, they want meat for another purpose. So they would see when they would burn the offering, they'd say, hey, give us the raw meat. And, and, the, and the guy offering would say, well, at least burn the fat. No, no, if you don't give it to us, we're going to take it. We're going to beat you up. We're going to, it's ours. So you could tell they're, they're flaunting it. So notice what goes on. Verse 17, therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Abhorred also means despised. Okay, let's continue on. Another passage. Look at verse 22 to 25, chapter 2. Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his son did to all Israel, and how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, for it is not good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one sins against another, God will judge him. But if man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Nevertheless, they did not heed the voice of their father, because the Lord desired to kill them. And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and the men. So here's what I want you to see about the spiritual vacuum. First thing we're going to see here is this. Spirituality had become empty and meaningless. 
in the everyday course of their life, sacrifices every day to the Lord, burnt offerings, grain offerings, whole offerings, wave offerings, drink offerings, ritual after ritual, it had become, spirituality had become empty and meaningless. Empty and meaningless in the lives of those priests there in the temple. Not the temple, but the tabernacle there in Shiloh. It had become empty and meaningless to them. They were beginning to operate in this spiritual vacuum where it had no meaning. It was just something that you do. So, you know, it, it can happen to you and I. It's Sunday morning. What do you do on Sunday morning? Go to church. Why are you going to church? Because my mama told me to. Why are you going to church? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Why are you going to church? Because we've always gone to church. Can't think of doing anything else other than going to church. It's a great time to see my friends. Do you understand? So there's no expectation of anything for when we enter into church. Do you understand? There's no expectation of meeting the Lord anywhere. In fact, if we we go away or if we move out of the area, our family will say to us, have you found a church to go to? Don't we say that? Have we found a church? Wrapped up in all of that is... A concept of spirituality that becomes what? Empty. And is it any wonder that after a while people quit attending? You know what I mean? Today in Christianity in North America, it is the average attendance for somebody attending a church is once or twice a month. Do you hear that? It's not no longer how many times are you going every, every Sunday. It's whether you hit it once or twice a month. And if you're really special, it's more than twice. Do you you understand what I'm saying? So now the commitment level. Now you look at that and I think, oh, wow, it's okay then that we missed a couple Sundays. Yeah, it's okay. But really what that's reflecting more than anything is not whether or not you're a good attender. It's reflecting your perspective of what? Church. Of coming together for the assembly. Because really the dynamic is, is that it's emptiness otherwise. There's nothing exciting there for you. And the excitement isn't the music, and we got great music here. The excitement isn't the preaching. The excitement is whether or not God shows up and speaks to you and interacts with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And whether or not you want to meet him again the next week. And so when you have people say, well, it's okay, once or twice, that's really reflecting a spiritual vacuum because spirituality becomes empty and meaningless. Here's the other thing I want you to see about the spiritual vacuum. This was going on in these priests' lives. Spirituality becomes self-serving. The offerings that were being made by Israel and the priests as they were handling it, it was no longer from the perspective of the priest something sacred that was given to the God of the universe. It became, I wonder if I'm getting T-boned today or a roast. Do you know what I'm saying? It became all about what they wanted, what they could get out of it. Did you understand what I'm saying? What they could get out of it. And it becomes self-serving. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. The thing, the most disappointment pointing thing that I could ever hear from anybody is for them to say, you know, I like going to your church, but I really just don't feel at home there because I'm really not getting anything out of it. And, you know, and people will say that to me. I've had that said to me over the years a couple of times. And they'll say it to me like that's supposed to shock me or hurt me or something. 
yeah, it hurts me, but I'm not hurting because of our church. I'm hurting because of the one who said it. Because they've got a wrong attitude about why you come together with God's people. Did you understand what I'm saying? And it's not what I can get out of it, but it's what I can be a part of and what I can do for others as they do for me. Did you understand what I'm saying? The other attitude is simply self-serving. What I can get out of it. And I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're here for what you can get out of it, you're going to be disappointed after a while. I'm going to disappoint you. Others are going to disappoint you. Just the reality. And it's empty spiritual emptiness. It's a spiritual vacuum that's going on in their lives. Let's go on. One other point I want you to see here, and this is the thing that's scary. There was no fear of God to restrain sin. You know, it's one thing. It's bad enough that they're despising the offering of God and taking what they wanted. Because God made provision for them to be fed. He made provision for them to take a part of the offering. But that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough for them. If that's one thing, okay? The, the thing that is really crazy is that as, the, as Israel would gather at the court of the Gentiles, I mean, the court of the, the, court of the Gentiles, and then the outer inner court was the court of the women, as the women would gather there, it wasn't enough. They would engage in sexual immorality, do what they wanted, take what they wanted from the women who would come. That's pretty sick, isn't it? That's pretty bad. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, wow, really? How could they do that? Right there at the tabernacle where God's presence was supposedly just a few feet away in a tent with the Ark of the Covenant. How could they do that? I'll tell you how. There was no fear of God anymore. They did not fear God. It, see, it, see, here's the thing. Can I be honest with you? Here's the scary thing that I think when I look at North American Christianity today. We, we have so reduced God down to our buddy. Do you know what I mean by that? That he's our friend, that he loves me, and that he forgives me, and, and, and we just have reduced him down, that we've lost all concept of holiness and reverence for the Most High. And that the God who struck Ananias and Sapphira down for lying is the God who knows everything that I do. And if he truly loves me, as Hebrews says, he will what? Yeah, he'll take me to the woodshed. Ouch. And I'll be honest with you. The thing that restrains me sometimes is not just the understanding of what it would mean for me to fall off into whatever. It's that I'm afraid of God. And I think that's what's missing sometimes in our churches and in our lives. Don't you think so? There's no fear of God anymore restraining God's people. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are living in a spiritual vacuum where it's emptiness. Look at your life. Take a serious moment right now. Look at your spiritual life. Is the God of the universe interacting with you? Or are you operating and living in a spiritual vacuum? Ask yourself that question. Is the God of the universe who you claim to follow, who you claim saved you and has forgiven you, is he interacting with you? Or is it a spiritual vacuum? That's the question to ask ourselves this morning, isn't it? And you've got to be honest with yourself. Because here's the thing. I'm not going to ask you to oh, you really raise your hand. I don't really want to know your answer. 
Your life will show it. Your mouth will show it. He says, okay, George, well, how, how do, you know, if, if the vacuum's there, how, what do we do about it? Well, let's go on. We're, we're looking at the spiritual vacuum, so let's compare the two. Let's compare the two. First of all, there's Eli. Look with me, verses 1 to 9, chapter 3. Now the boy, Samuel, ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation. Well, let's stop for a moment. Think about that. There's a serious spiritual vacuum going on here. God's not revealing himself. The word of the Lord was rare. Let's go on, verse 2. And it came to pass in that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of the Lord went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Okay, so think about it. The old guy's laying there. He can barely see. He's trying to get his sleep. And his boy keeps coming in. You called me. I ain't call you. Go back to bed. Try to get back to snuggling again on your pillow. Eyes are just ready to... You called me. I didn't call you. Go lay down. You know what I'm saying? All right, here's what's going on. Look at me. Now, Samuel... This Here's number seven. Put a, put a star by this. This is where I think a lot of us are at today in the church. Put a star by verse seven. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. That's important. We'll talk about that later. Look at verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again in a third time, and he rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. Look, now here's a great word. Then, then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Hello? It's like, wait, wait a minute, now something different's going on here. It must be the Lord. Okay? Then look at verse 9. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Here's some things I want you to see about Eli. Number one, there was no personal interaction with God. No personal interaction with God. I mean, think about this for a moment, folks. He is the high priest of the nation. He is the one who once a year goes into the most holy place and sprinkles blood on the mercy seat as an atonement for the sins of the nation. Once a year he goes in. How many times has he done that in his lifetime? By this time he's very old. He can no longer see. His eyes have grown dim. No no personal interaction. No personal interaction. You know, stop before you think, wow, seriously? Come on. What kind of dude is that? Before you start thinking that about him, let me ask you a deep question here. How much have you interacted with him this week, Christian? And I'm not talking about asking for a parking spot at Walmart. And I'm not talking about the mindless prayers we say before we eat. How much have you interacted with him this week? How much? There's no personal interaction in Eli's life. Let's go on. Second thing I want you to see there. 
He had to rely on others for a word from the Lord. We're going to see later on that the next morning, Eli is going to say to Samuel, so what did the Lord tell you? Don't hold it back from me, boy. What did the Lord tell you? So you get to the place. Here's what happens. The spiritual vacuum is such in your life that you don't interact with the Lord, but you want to know what the Lord wants for your life. And so you look around to others to tell you what God's going to want for you. And so you hang out with spiritual people. Then you make them their friends. And you want to interact with them. And it's like you're hoping that somehow, some way, they're going to tell you something. It might be guidance from God for you. Because you have no interaction with Him. You have no clue what's happening and what God wants for your life. That's what's going on with Eli. Here's the third thing. Yeah, he knew how to respond to God's voice. Isn't that amazing? No personal interaction, relying on others to tell him what the Lord wants, but he could tell the boy, sounds like the Lord's calling you, here's what you need to do. It's not like he didn't have the answers. Let's be honest, folks. We don't need books on relationships, do we? You've had relationships all of your life. From the time you were small to now, you've had relationships. Good, bad ones. fact of the matter is, you don't need to be instructed in how to have a relationship with someone. And we all know very clearly that we need to have a relationship with who? The God of the universe. And it ain't rocking science to figure it out. It's called spending time, right? Spending time. And here's what he does. He tells the boy what he needs to do to hear from God. But isn't it amazing? He's not doing it himself. Do you know what I mean? That's Eli. It's Eli. But look, look, here's the boy. And here's where we're going to learn the lesson. Samuel. Samuel. Here's what we're going to do. Skip all the way down to verse 19. In between, if you want to read it on your own, he responds to the Lord. The Lord gives the prophecy to him concerning what's going to happen in the future, especially with Eli's household. But it's all the way to verse 19. Here's where we're going to find the keys for you and I to hear God's voice in our lives. Look at what it says, verse 19. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel and Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Look at verse 21. Put a star by verse 21. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. Three things. Actually, two things. Number one, here's what we see about Samuel. He regarded God's word as precious. I'm going to be flat out honest with you folks. We don't. We don't. I mean, I've got, are you ready for this? I've got 30 different translations in book form or electronic form in my office. 30 different versions. Most of them are gathering dust or have not been opened electronically. How many Bibles do you have? When's the last time you opened it other than when you were told to in church? 
you and I will memorize the stats of our sports teams and we'll quote whatever position of our politician and we'll remember our show but we'll say things, I think that's in the Bible. Samuel didn't let any of God's words fall to the floor. It says, he held them as what? Precious, as important in their lives. Here's the first thing. If you're going to want to hear God's voice in your life, you've got to change your attitude about your Bible. You hear me? If you're going to want to hear God's voice in your life and hear what he has for you, for you, you, you've got to change your attitude about your Bible. You've got to make it the most important thing that he's given you. Did you understand what I'm saying? More important than Facebook. But how important is God's word to you? Samuel saw them as precious. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Here's the key. God revealed himself through his word. Verse 21. Go back to verse 7. Remember what it said in verse 7? That he didn't know the Lord because what the word of the Lord had not been what revealed to him. Get to verse 21. What? He grew to know God because what? God revealed himself through what way? His word. Okay, here's the scoop, folks. Each and every one of us, unless you really don't really want to, if you're serious about wanting to know what God has for your life and interacting and hearing from him, the key is not just wondering, okay, speak to me. He's already spoken. It's right there in front of you. The question is, is do you want to hear? And if you want to hear, how he reveals himself to you is through his word. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the more you know his word, the more sensitive you are to when the Spirit leads you in other areas. Do you understand what I'm saying? It starts first with God's word and knowing what his word says so that when he begins to lead you in other ways, you know that it's the Spirit talking to you and you do what he says. How do you know that, George? I mean, even even with the leading of the Spirit. Wasn't it interesting when you look in the book of Acts, when you look through the epistles, that when people would show up and say they had a word of the Lord, they always tested what someone said was a word from the Lord by what? Comparing it to what? God's word. See, that's how you know if it's the word of God. That's how you know if it's a revelation. It starts with what? You reading God's word. You're reading it. So here's the, so here's the thing. Here's the question. Do we want to operate in a spiritual vacuum where we're bouncing around based upon whatever some TV guy or radio guy says or even what I say? Or do you want to find it, the word of God for yourself? How do you feed yourself spiritually? God speaks to you. How does he speak to you? In his word. 
in His Word. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.